Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Well, Ketchy, we are so excited. It is a privilege to have you here. We're excited to hear your story. So thanks for coming out and joining us. Thank you. Well, we are going to get started with just kind of a lightning round. I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick questions, and we'll just get to know you a little bit that way. Let's start with this. Uh, Let's start with where you're from, where you grew up, and where you're living now. I grew up in Nigeria, and now I live with my family in Houston. Okay. And if we were hanging out with you on a normal day and a song came on the radio, what is the most likely band or artist that you would start singing along with? Um, If it's like regular radio, probably Ed Sheeran. Um, For um, Christian Contemporary, probably Elevation Worship. I pretty much know all their songs. Yeah. Yeah. Just just hanging out the last, you know, today and yesterday, I've already caught Catchy singing along to different things just here and there. I have a feeling you're kind of always singing along to things. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Um, All right. America's Got Talent. Who's your favorite judge? Um, Definitely Howie. Yeah, he was... He was the most approachable, you know, very sweet, very nice. I saw him the most backstage, off camera. Um, Mel B was kind of the, like, star for me, you know, because I grew up, you know, seeing her on TV, watching Spice Girls, their movie Spice World, you know. So, you know, that was like a star. I was just, like, starstruck when I saw her the first time. But, um, yeah, definitely definitely Howie. Howie was definitely my favorite, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us the truth. What is Simon really like? <laughs> he is intimidating. He is, you know, he, especially like, you know, if you're a singer, if you're, you know, someone that's um, like an artist, you know, you, you can't help but, you know, want to hear his feedback because he kind of always seems to know what he's saying, you know, and uh, so it's kind of scary. You know, you wonder if you're going to impress him or if he's going to just be like, hey, you're okay, or, or if he's going to, you know, go all, you know, just really scarily frank <laughs> on you <laughs> so um it was really an honor just so relieving when he seemed to warm up to me you know from the get-go and I was just really grateful for that because it can get rough yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you watching this season yes I am A- anybody that you're excited about um I'm excited about Flo J she was the um young teenage rapper and then the um uh, I can't remember her name but she she had the golden buzzer in the last episode I watched, and she it was really shy. And then when she started singing, she was just like amazing and like a whole different person. The the girl who's like twelve, but she sounds like Janis Joplin. Yep, that's her. Yeah. I oh think the judges gosh. even said that. Yeah. yeah, and she was amazing. So I can't wait to see how far she gets. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, well, let's let's dig into your story here. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about growing up. Tell us a little bit about your family. Um. Growing up was really wonderful. I grew up in Nigeria, and um, I had the most amazing parents, the most amazing family. Um, I grew up in a very kind of, looking back, probably very wholesome kind of way, you know, always with family, with my cousins. And for a while, I was an only child. My little sister was born when I was 11, which was thrilling because, um, you know, I got to be an older sister, and, you know, the age difference was quite large. So um, I kind of became like her pseudo-mom as well. And uh, I just loved, you know, growing up with her and helping her grow up. And and my parents just did a really great job trying to, you know, provide as much as they could for us, you know, and give us just a really wonderful 
you know, childlike childhood. Yeah. 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 What was your kind of religious background, your, your relationship with God like in those early years? Um, well, I was born into a Christian household and into like my mom's family, especially very Christian. Um, but um, for me, growing up, I was kind of just whatever my mom was. You know, it wasn't anything personal until much later in my life. Um, for the most part, I just did whatever she did, went wherever she went. And um, a lot of times, you know, when we had things like family fellowship, it was really just a time for like us cousins to hang out and be together, you know. So, but you know, I was exposed a lot to, you know, you know, who God is and what Jesus did for us. And, but it was really more of a surface thing for a while until yeah. later. Yeah. 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 I have a feeling there are lots of people who might even be here today who would say, yeah, my, my family had some religious background growing up, but it, it's never really been something I've personally owned. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're here and that's you, we, we're really glad that you're here. That's one of the things we love to do as a church is be part of people's journeys to come and really own a relationship with God personally for themselves. Well, let's talk about the plane crash. Mm. What do you remember from that day? Um, so this was December 10th, 2005. It was a very normal day. You know, um, usually after, like I went to a um, private a boarding school um, for high school. And so we lived um, really far away from home, a plane right away. So usually students would, you know, um, who lived in the same area would board the same plane to get home. So there were about 61 of us who lived in the eastern part of Nigeria, which is where um, the plane was headed the day the accident happened. And everything was really normal about the flight from the get-go. You know, there was no indication of what was gonna happen or anything until about like 15, 20 minutes to landing when the pilot makes the announcement that we would be landing soon. And that was kind of when the turbulence got really exaggerated and very, it just turned out that you just kind of figure something's wrong and some, it's not normal. And I remember like, you know, as chaos was just happening around the entire cabin and people, you know, who were like probably, because I was in an aisle seat, people like by the window could probably see what was going on and, it, you know, um, I'm thankful I couldn't see that, you know, at least. But um, I remember just feeling like it was kind of like an out of body looking down at what was going on kind of experience because it was kind of hard to really grasp that this was reality. You never imagine that that kind of thing is gonna happen to you. You know, no one ever thinks that when they board a plane. So it was very just, I was full of just kind of like awe at what was going on. And then my last memory is holding onto my friend's hand in the aisle seat next to mine. And she was like, you know, what do we do? And I was like, maybe we should pray. And you know, just saying the words, the first thing I thought in my head. And then the last thing I remember feeling was this loud metal scraping sound in my head. And then um, I must have blacked out at that point because I remember waking up in South Africa um, the next time I opened my eyes. That's where I was. That, that, was, that was five weeks that later? That was five weeks after, yep. Wow. Wow. And uh, how many people were on the plane? There were 109 of us and 107, um, 107 passed away. There were two survivors. Wow. Wow. And so when you, you woke up in South Africa, what, what, did, you, what did they tell you? What did, what did you know? Um, so interestingly, um, I woke up with full um, awareness of where I was and what had happened. And that was because while I was in the um, hospital-induced coma, my mom, I would hear her voice, like re repetitively telling me what had happened and where I was. So I could kind of hear her in my subconscious, you know. I would hear her telling me that, 
Um, you know, I was in the plane crash. I was in an accident, but I'm going to be okay. Now I'm in South Africa, in Johannesburg, and I'm going to be okay. They're going to take care of me. She's not going to leave, and I'll, she'll be there when I wake up. And I could also hear, like, music playing, too. You know, I would hear my mom's voice when she's singing. I would hear, like, you know, music, just songs that I have never heard before, just playing in the background. So um, when I woke up, you know, it turned out that, you know, she had like called my cousins and my sister to ask like what artists I like and then you know she would like play by my bedside you know um so that you know it was just always there because that's how much music meant to me and she knew that and um so that was really cool because I remember I remember I woke up knowing songs that I didn't know before the accidents yeah it's one that stuck out to me the most was the one that she used to sing to me almost as much as she used to talk to me and um it was just this really lovely hymn that she had learned from her mom. And um, I didn't know it before the accident, but wow. I woke up knowing the whole thing. So, so you woke up knowing it. That, yeah. that is amazing. W would you be willing to sing that, that hymn for us? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Wonderful and marvelous is Jesus to me. Sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb is he. Jesus is real. He will never fail. I will praise him now and throughout all eternity. I will praise him now and throughout all eternity. Wow. I've read a little bit about your recovery process, and it sounded really intense. What, what was involved in that? Um, so um, it was really a lot of um, just skin grafts, you know, covering me up. I, was, um, I had third-degree burns over 65% of my body. So um, basically head to foot, the only part that didn't burn was my like, torso. And the areas that, they, um, that didn't burn, they excavated for you know, um, skin that they could use to cover up the areas that did burn. So that was pretty much my next seven months in, the IC, in South Africa. I was in the IC for four, in the ward for three. And um, they just covered me up, they patched me up. That was pretty much what it was in SA. And uh, they... Um, you know, did everything they could to just keep me alive and keep me on this side of the world, yeah. And um, that was the physical, you know, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, I had, you know, therapists that would come in and talk to me and, you know, I had my mom and my family who would, you know, always pray and minister to me and stuff like that. So um, it was, I mean, really, like you said, intense in every way, you know, very painful. And then the itching came later on and just made things way worse and made me wish for just more pain rather than the itching. It was that bad for me. Um, but altogether, it was just a really, really trying time for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there, there was a, a turning point uh, that, that came, especially in kind of your spiritual life, that, that came with a conversation with your grandmother. Yeah, Can you tell true. us about that? Um, so this was... Um, maybe three, two months into my treatment, I wanna say. Um, I, so as the, as the scars were healing, you know, the itching came, and it was just the worst. I mean, I, I just, I had the worst, I was like at the worst end of the spectrum, the extreme. 
and I could not stand it. I was just going nuts because of it. And um, it would just keep me up all night. I wouldn't be able to sleep. And there was this particular time frame when I hadn't slept for like three days. And um, I just, I was just going crazy. And my mom, everyone, they did everything they could. You know, the, the medication they give, you know, they, there's only so much they can give you, you know, before it starts, you know, causing problems. So I would just lie there, you know, crying because of what was going on. And um, my mom called my grandma. She did this a lot. And she would, she put my grandma on the phone on, um, and uh, she talked to me. And so my grandma was like, that catchy, that um, I know you're frustrated. I know that, you know, you... You can't sleep and you're angry and you're just, you know, you're done. But that I need you to do something for me. I need you to, you know, just, just take a few deep breaths and just talk to God. And, you know, to me at that point, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's great. But how is that going to help my physical issues right now? You know, that's, I mean, it's, I'm, this is something that is a real physical problem. How is that really going to do anything? And, you know, she was like that, um... I need to stop thinking about him as this faraway figure in the skies that is just so removed from our experiences. And, you know, sometimes might be listening to us, you never know, you know, it's not like that, that he is, he is your father, like your actual dad here, you know, and, and that's how you need to start seeing him. You know, he's right next to you. So you just talk to him like you would talk to your dad if he was here. Just pour out everything to him and just, just give it a try, see what happens. And um, so I didn't have anything else I could do, you know? So this was like last straw call, okay? So I started talking and then the more I talked, the more I talked and I just started purging everything inside me out, just crying out and just, just crying out to him and just saying everything on my mind that was frustrating me. And um, I, next thing I remember, I was opening my eyes the next morning. Mm. I don't even know when I fell asleep. Like, that was just mind-blowing to me. Like, so, like, so I just needed to just talk. Like, that's, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's simple. I haven't been able to sleep for the last three days, and I just talked to this God, you know. I just talked to Jesus, and I'm waking up. It was just, it was, so that just kind of, you know, made me very curious about yeah. more things about him. You know, maybe there's something here that there is to explore that I just never thought about before. Yeah. And that was the real turning point for me in, you know, my faith. Because I started to actually personally get curious about him, not just what people were telling me. Yeah. Uh, did you ever ask the question, well, why, why did this happen to me and to these other people? Um, in the beginning... Definitely um, after, I never, I never asked about, strangely enough, not really my, I was fine so far. I never really asked why with regard to like the things that, I, that happened to me. But after I heard about what really happened in the accident, how um, there were only two survivors and how every other kid, including all my friends from you know, school had passed away, like that just kind of broke me down. This was about four, five months into my treatment when they told me the truth. Because before that, I had thought that everyone survived. I thought everyone was alive, maybe as bad as I was, but at least alive, you know? So it was just a shock to me that all those people were gone and I could not understand, you know, I just couldn't understand how they could just be gone and never seen them again. It just didn't make any sense to me. So I sunk into this dark pit of just depression and um, I just kept on wondering, you know, how this could happen to so many children, you know? I couldn't imagine what their parents were feeling if I was feeling this way. 
and um, grandma to the rescue again, because um, my mom, you know, when she's at her wits, you know, she, you know, reaches out to, to her mom, and my grandma is just like this wealth of wisdom, and, and so she, she called her, and then um, she talks to me again, and then she was like, you know, the truth is that um, there's never really a why. No one knows when things like this happen, no one knows why they happen because there's just no why, it's just what happens, it's just life, you know, and it sucks, but there's no why. Yeah. And um, that really struck me, because it's so true. You know, when you ask why, you're looking for reasons for why something happens, but what reason would really, you know, justify what happened? What reason would I get that would tell me, oh yeah, that, okay, so all those people died because of this, that makes sense, it's never gonna happen. So, you know, why ask why? So, you know, from that moment, I kind of felt like, you know, it would probably be better for me and for everyone around me who cared about me to, um, you know, look at things a different way about this tragedy. I could either sink and stay in depression and, um, you know, that would just be the extent of, of what I do with the life that was saved. Or I could draw strength from the memories of, you know, my friends that had passed away. You know, I could instead look, use their their um, passing, you know, their memories as my reason for doing the things that I do, you know, for wanting to make their memories proud, for wanting to make their parents proud, and, you know, do something good and show some good, you know, with this life that was saved, you know. I wanted their parents to feel some something positive from this huge tragedy that had happened, you know. So that was kind of the angle that I kind of spun for myself to, you know, pick myself up and, you know, help myself you know, get out of that pit, climb out, you know, it's a very slow process, but, you know, every day you take a step out, every day you try to move forward, and um, that's pretty much how I've just tried to do everything since that moment up until right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how do you keep trusting God when you, you don't know the reasons why things happen? Honestly, it's, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you don't do this, then what are you gonna do? You know, because, you know, for me, Jesus became, you know, the, the place, a place of peace for me. You know, um, on the flip side, if I didn't have him, if I didn't have, you know, what he represented for me in my life, then it would, I would be the extent of my strength. And so when I'm weak and I feel like I wanna give up and I just feel like I'm done, then that's me at the end of my rope, and then what's out there? There's nothing out there, it's just, you know, darkness and bleakness, you know, but that's not how it should be, you know. I, if, you, if, if that's how I always felt every time I felt depressed, then how would I come out of it, you know, if I feel like after I, my strength is gone, then I have nothing else to rely on, you know. No, I, I wanted instead to believe that, you know, where my strength ends, that's where Jesus comes in, you know. That's where, you know, he just, you know, swoops in and you know takes over and he has infinite strength he has just he has everything that you know i have but but i'm very limited you know so i need to know that you know there is this amazing being out there who you know can do more way more than i can do so that's what jesus became for me he became that that source of infinite strength whenever my strength fails. Mm. And um, it's very helpful to have someone like that looking out for you because a lot of times, you know, we're human beings, we always will fall. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to pick myself back up if I didn't believe that, you know, he was always gonna be there to, you know, help me 
and you know, move on from whatever I'm going yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's how, you know, he, he kind of had to stay that way for me. You know, that's what he had to, that's what Jesus had to represent for me, you know, and um, I'm just really grateful for that. It was really my support system that helped me, like, kind of make me feel this way and believe this, these things, really. Yeah. So I have them to thank for, I guess, my outlook yeah. in life. Yeah. 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 You, you have an meeting your, your mother and hearing about your family, you just have uh, incredible people around you. It's really, really amazing. Um, there, there was something else that happened kind of as a result and kind of in the wake of this accident, a surprising yeah. thing. Yeah. Your voice actually changed? That's true. Um, that was kind of very, was very strange. Um, we, and when I see where I mean myself and my mom, we didn't quite understand um, how that happened. Um, before the accident, I used to sing a lot. I've always been someone who's always singing all, like, all over the house. I'm that person. And I grew up, you know, as a teenager, my voice got better, but um, it wasn't, you know, what it is now. Um, it was okay. You know, I, it was just, you know, okay, it was fine. But um, after the accident happened, I remember you know, the first time that I tried to sing along to one of the songs that I was playing um, on the like DVD player thing by my bed. It was a Kelly Clarkson song. And I remember I just started singing along to the words and my voice just came out sounding not what I remembered it to sound like. And my mom like looked at me like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, does it sound, it sounds different. She was like, yes, it does sound different. And so we're just like, okay, that's cool. And so um, I just kind of ran with it. I just <laughs> took it like this blessing, this, you know, cause you know, I heard that, you know, when you go through people that, you know, go through burns, usually what happens is that because of smoke inhalation, you know, your lungs, you know, get like really damaged or, you know, things like that. So for the opposite to happen was just kind of insane and obviously a God thing. So I just, took that as, you know, just, just one positive, you know, yeah. one, just one more positive out of everything. And um, I just, it was just amazing that I could now, like, you know, sing along somewhat confidently to songs that I loved. And so I just went to town from that moment. My dad <laughs> bought me a karaoke machine, and I would just be on that thing every single day, every day. Like, I'm, that's literal, for real. And, you know, especially when, with my treatments, like my surgeries, I would have surgery and then I would, as I'm getting better, once I can walk, I'm walking to that machine. Yeah. You know, so, you know, music became that big escape for me, for sure. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that um, I was able to enjoy it in like so many different ways. Yeah. yeah. Well, how, how did you go from kind of basically singing through your pain and having that be part of your recovery to actually trying out for America's Got Talent. How'd that happen? Um, that was also a very um, interesting <laughs> situation. Um, so I, I was, um, I'm an MBA student at um, a school in, in Texas, in Houston. And um, that's what I was doing, you know, while this whole thing started. And it started in 2016, fall semester, and I was just going to school, you know, working in school as well. And um, as usual, you know, singing everywhere I go. At this point, I'm now, um, I was also, I, I joined the worship team at church. So to me, that was like the extent of what I was gonna do with my voice. I was fine with that. Um, and then I have this friend, one of my friends who, um, you know, anyone who knows me, if you're close enough to me, you will know I'm always singing. And she's just that person who's been there since I was in high school. And she knows, you know, that it just, it never ends with me. So she's always telling me, you know, Whenever we're like on Skype or like on FaceTime, she's like, you need to do something with your voice, like 
singing to me is not going to do anything. You know, you need to <laughs> <laughs> you need to get out there. You need to. There's so many shows. Like, if I were you, I would be every, and I'm just be like, eh, you know, yeah, it's, that's thank you, that's cool. <laughs> so she knew I was never going to do it. She just knew. So she kind of signed me up without telling me. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's kind of, it's crazy, because I, I literally, I was woken up by a phone call from, uh, from an AGT scout who saw, said she saw my application, and she, they were interested in, like, you know, moving further with me. And I was like, application, like, what? You know, and then I saw, like, an email that was forwarded to me from them responding to my application, and it was forwarded from my friend's email. So I called her, <laughs> and I was like, what did you do, you know? And um, that's pretty much how it started. She was shocked that they actually responded, too. And, um, you know, so, but she put me out there. She basically just shoved me right out there. And it, at, at a point, you know, it became, you know, my choice to decide what I wanted to do with this yeah. opportunity. But it was just so odd and so out of the way that I just felt like, you know, something that I didn't even do myself is, you know, clearly God is trying to do something here. So, you know, I'm just gonna run with it and see what happens with yeah. it. And that was basically how the whole thing happened. Wow, wow. So, so your friend signs you up on, yeah. on a whim and, and you go on to uh, perform six times, become a finalist. <laughs> national international scene that that is unbelievable what was what was the most fun that you had on america's got talent what's the most exciting thing you did i think nothing can be that first moment i stepped out on that stage you know i didn't really prepare myself for you know i i kind of think that you know for the most part i'm a pretty you know confident person you know i go around just you know living life normally you know so i i just thought it would be the same you know, <laughs> so when I stepped out on the stage, it hit me that, oh my God, um, I'm here, I'm in this place, and there's like thousands of people right in front of me who have never heard me sing, do not know what they think about my voice, because it's different when you're singing in front of your family and in church, you know, everyone's kind of forgiving, but <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it just, it hit me unfortunately in that moment, so I kind of froze a little at first, and um, my voice came out all squeaky and stuff, and I was just like, oh God, so, but um, the moment I started singing and people started cheering and stuff, it kind of calmed me down and I sang and I finished the song and then the reaction from the judges like just seeing that you know they actually you know were impressed and nothing beats the feeling of when I heard that you know I got four yeses that was just incredible to me because I was still trying to get used to the feeling of actually just being here in the first place and then now they're telling me I can actually go on to the next stage like it just seems so surreal and I was just very overcome with so much emotion in that moment it was yeah. amazing which is an amazing feeling. But also another wonderful thing about the show was the kind of people that I had as fellow contestants because we were just all such a chill group. It never really felt like a competition up until the moment that you're on stage actually singing or doing your acts. Everyone was just so relaxed and you know, we had so much fun backstage. Whenever the cameras are, whether they're rolling or not, we're just like chilling with each other and just making, cracking jokes all over the place. and just having fun. I mean, I, I think I was blessed to be amongst a group of people that, you know, I could feel comf comfortable in front of like so soon. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really like the atmosphere as well. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you get nervous when you're uh, on stage when you sing? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> um, something else I've been wondering about with, with all of this, 
you, you've had to travel a lot. So uh, with America's Got Talent, with, uh, with just other things you've done since then, uh, you're, you're flying all over the place. Yeah. How, after what you've been through, do you get back on a plane? Um, the plane thing is kind of like, um, I always liken it to like, you know, getting back in a pool after you almost drown. You know, because if you don't do it right after, you're just never going to get in the pool again. It was kind of like that for me, except, you know, it was kind of decided for me. You know, right after my treatment in South Africa, I had to fly back to Nigeria. And then that's where I was before I flew here to America for continued treatment. So it just seemed like this flying thing was something that you can never really get out of. You know, it's just going to, you can't escape it if you want to get to places. You know, and for me, it went a little beyond that because it was like, if I want to do the things that I say I want to do, like, you know, I want to live my life in such a way that would, you know, make, you know, the memory, you know, j just, you know, live in a way that would make their memories, um, you know, proud and make their parents proud of, you know, the things that I'm doing with my life. I can't sit at home. I can't only go to places I can drive to. I have to be willing to, you know, go around and, you know, just, you know, achieve all these things if possible. And I, I, I don't want to limit the things that, you know, Jesus can do for me. I, I don't want to limit him to only these places that I can get to by car, you know. Um, so it just, it was kind of like a, okay, you know, if you can't avoid it, then just go ahead and just, you know, keep doing what you do, you know. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, I, I kind of feel like the chances of me being in another plane accident is probably a little low now I just really <laughs> doubt that's gonna happen again so that also that actually also gives me a lot of confidence in getting yeah. on planes because I just feel like the probability is kind of shifted <laughs> a little more right now to my side so so you know all those things kind of just came together and just made it just um just another way to get around really yeah. although I will admit that you know there is like a millis like a moment like a few seconds right before the wheels like touch down on the on the ground in the on the runway that little like those few seconds and like just kind of make me tense up a little can't do anything about it haven't been able to the last 11 years so it's probably like a response to something i can't remember yeah. you know which is fine i'm not trying to remember any of that but um that's probably something i'm gonna have to deal with forever and yeah. you know i think it's fine it's one little like just a few seconds and then I'm and it's it's okay it's like a it's a an okay sacrifice to make if I if I can go all the way to like South Korea or something that's fine yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what are you up to these days what what's what's kind of your current life right now um so I'm still getting my MBA that's something that has slowed down a bit because of the traveling but um online classes help me a lot so I can do it in my free time that's something I definitely want to um, finish and accomplish um I'm also now doing a lot of um, just, um, I guess, um, kind of being like a, almost an, a, a Burns ambassador for um, a lot of different burn communities and yeah. organizations, which is a really wonderful, you know, um, fallout, I guess, you know, from AGT and the exposure that that stage gave me. Um, I'm also working on original music. As a matter of fact, I actually just finished recording like, like a song that I'm going to be promoting really soon. So I'm really excited about that because, you know, AGT kind of made me think about the possibility of, you know, a career in music. That's something I never would have considered if not for the show, you know. So um, I, I want to see how people respond to, you know, my sound. And, you know, hopefully, you know, that's going to happen pretty soon, actually. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Oh, we'll, we'll look out for it. That's <laughs> exciting. That's really Thank cool. Um, 
in, in one of your, your final performances on America's Got Talent, you got to sing with Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And you sang her song, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. Mm -hmm. And I think when Kelly sings that she's talking about a bad breakup. That's um, true. <laughs> it's a little different when you sing it. Um, tell, me, tell me how your experience has made you stronger. Um, man, like everything from the accident to, you know, coming here, continuing surgery, um, you know, going back to school, America's Got Talent, all these different things. You know, I believe that, you know, um, as long as, well, so throughout my life, throughout all these things that happened, I have always tried my best to um, always include Jesus in everything that I do. You know, I don't want to take a step without him knowing that I'm taking that step. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to hesitate. You know, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. But if he's coming along with me, then, you know, he can kind of help me navigate in a, you know, in a more, in the way that he wants me to which usually ends up being much better than what we planned for ourselves. So because I've seen that, I've seen that usually when he's involved, things are better. I try to involve him as much as, as, much as I can in every step that I take. And I feel like, you know, even though there's like some small isolated moments where I feel like he's not even like aware of what's happening, like can you not see that I'm in pain or I'm going through this, um, it always turns out in retrospect that he was there. He was aware, he's always aware. And um, so because of those experiences, I want to believe that I have been taking steps with him aware of everything, including especially, in fact, America's Got Talent, because that was something that I did not even do. He moved a friend to do that for me for his own bigger purpose. It wasn't just about me singing on this stage and sharing my voice. It was also about what seeing a burn survivor on stage represented. It was also about, you know, the message he wants to share with the world about, you know, not being limited by your physical, um, your physical you know, um, capabilities, however limited they might be. And I feel like that's something that um, has helped my faith grow exponentially, for sure. You know, just help me always, you know, kind of know that he's there and be aware that, you know, Jesus is always going to, he's always gonna care, you yeah. know, even though, you know, people in the world might not. So my faith is a big factor in what keeps me optimistic and, um, I guess, resilience, you know, in the things that happen. But um, I would not even have that if not for my support system. Yeah. I mean, my mom is just an amazing woman and um, literally gave everything up just to be with me and help me get through all this. Um, my entire family, my sister, my dad, um, my mom's, you know, her side of the family, my dad's side of the family, different people just came together to help me become the person I am today and help me believe the things that I believe, you know? Yeah. So um, I really credit everything to them, to that support system and to my faith. And, you know, they're kind of, they kind of bounce off each other, yeah. really. Yeah, so, you know, you are the people that you surround yourself with at the end of the day. And, you know, family is not always blood. It can be any person who makes you feel at home. It doesn't have to be someone you're related to. So I feel like if we all have at least one person like that in our lives, then um, we're probably gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah, there, there may be some of you here who are uh, thinking, I, I, I wish I had that kind of support system. Maybe you're going through something really hard. Uh, that's one of the things that we like to be for each other here at Christ Community Church. We've got uh, programs like Care Night and community groups and places where you can get connected with other people who are going to walk with you, even in the hardest of times, uh, to be that, whether it's family by blood, it can also be family uh, by faith and within the community. And we, we love to be that for people. 
Well, here's what I want to do now. Uh, I want to uh, bring out the band again, and I would love to hear one of the songs that you sang on America's Got Talent. Um, tell, tell us about the song that you're going to sing. Uh, I will sing Conqueror. Um, Conqueror was the song I performed um, for my finale on America's Got Talent. And um, it's just a song that um, I chose along with the vocal coach because we wanted lyrics that were powerful, that had um, in them the ability to spread the message that I wanted to spread to people, which is that you, know, you can overcome your obstacles and then when you do, you are that much stronger. And I wanted people to, to feel that and know that that's what I believe and help them believe that as well. Yeah, yeah. You guys wanna hear her sing? Yeah. All right. ago, you did a TEDx talk, and you said in that talk, 
I don't think my scars define me. What would you say defines you? I would say that I define myself the way God defines me. I define myself how Jesus defines me. Um, I say that because, um, you know, when you define yourself by anything earthly, anything in this world, you know, um, then you give the world a chance to decide how you feel about yourself. You know, when, when you know, things of this world always change, you know, they're always changing, even people, especially people. So if you define yourself by material things or by the way people see you or by how you look or anything, you know, anything physical, anything in this world, there's a chance, you, you allow yourself that chance to be affected by those things. But, you know, for someone like me, I feel like I could not afford to, you know, be defined by this anything here because I look so different from what is considered norm that if I define myself by anything here, there's a chance that you know, I, that could be taken away from me. So I wanted to define myself by something much bigger than me. You know, um, someone that I know doesn't change, first of all. Doesn't change how he sees us. You know, to us, rather to Jesus, we are you know, um, perfectly made, wonderfully made, and it's not just about the outside. It's everything more on the inside. He has put eternal, internal virtues, in, I believe, in each one of us that um, no one can take away except him. So if I define myself the way that Jesus defines me, then that means that nothing anyone does or says in this world is ever going to change how I feel about myself. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that can make me change how I see myself is if God all of a sudden changes how he sees us and we all know that that's never going to change yeah. so um you know for me that that was what jesus represented you know he gave everything because he loves us so much you know he's someone who who gave up his very life because he feels like we are that precious to him so you know who better who better really to decide how I see myself really yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was that's kind of how I decided to see things and honestly it has it's the primary reason I'm able to you know hold my head high and and just do the things that I want to do normally despite how I look you know yeah. it, it just makes me it frees me really and um, nothing replaces that freedom that you have in Jesus so um, I'm really grateful that I, I can think that way you know yeah. again I credit my family yeah yeah that's really that's amazing well, this is, this is the reason why we do what we do here at Christ Community Church. It's the reason we have these weekends like this, these Inspiring Stories weekends, is because we want people to know that source of identity and strength from God. Here's the thing. Uh, all of us, whether we, we haven't experienced the, the high highs and the, the deep lows of Ketchy's life, every one of us has scars and successes, don't we? Every single one of us has those things that uh, we suffer and those things that we feel like we've done a great job. And if we define our lives, if we say this is who I am based on those things, we're going to ride that roller coaster. It's going to be up and down again and again. So where do you find that solid ground, that place to stand where you know this is, this is who I really am? The, the only place to do that, the, the way we were designed to find who we really are, is in a relationship with God. The problem is that each and every one of us, no matter who we are, from the very first people all the way down to you and me, 
What we've done is we've gone our own way. We, we've disconnected from the source of those things, of, of life and love and goodness. We have walked away from God. We've said, God, I'm gonna do things my way instead of your way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a life the way I wanna do it. And even if we don't say that directly to God, our actions show it again and again every single day when we say, no, I'm gonna do these things just because I wanna do them, not because they're the things that you want. The Bible has a word for that. The word for that is sin. And the consequences, the results of sin are tragic. Because when we go our way instead of God's way, we disconnect from the source of life. And what's the result? It's death. Spiritual death on the inside. It's the reason we are restless and hungry. Physical death. One day our lives will end maybe sooner than we think. And if nothing's done about it, we die eternally, separated from God. And so we've got to figure out what are we going to do about that disconnect? How does that get healed and put back together? And this is where the good news comes in. This is the hope that we have to share. God loves you far too much to leave you in that place where you're disconnected from him. And that's why God himself showed up and lived a human life in the person of Jesus. He, He took on all of the pain and the suffering. He took on the scars of our sin so that he could take it away. This is what was going on on the cross. Jesus was saying, I'm gonna take all the guilt, all the shame, all the suffering, all the death, and I'm gonna take it on me. So when Jesus was buried, he was taking that away. And when he rose again, what he was doing is saying, I have the offer of life and hope beyond the grave. This is really, really good news. And he offers it to all of us. The question is, will you receive it? The great news is that he doesn't say, you've gotta earn it. You gotta pay for it, you gotta work for it. He says, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is surrender and say, I want it. And it's as simple as doing things that you already understand. Saying three things, I'm sorry, thank you, and please. You simply say to God, I'm sorry. I I know that the things I do are wrong, that I I go my way instead of your way, and that, that shouldn't be. I'm sorry, God. We say thank you. Say, thank you so much for showing up and bearing my sin. Jesus, you went to the cross. That was for me. You rose from the dead. That is my only hope. Jesus, thank you for doing that. And please, please, God, forgive my sin. Please, God, come in and transform my life. Please, God, welcome me into your family. Give me a future and a hope beyond the grave. That's all it takes. I'm sorry. Thank you. And please, there are many of you here who you're thinking that I need that, that this is what I need in my life. I need to surrender my life to Jesus and have that kind of hope. And so today, that's what I want to give you a chance to do. I'm going to pray that prayer in just a moment. I'm sorry, thank you, and please. And as I do that, I'd invite you to pray along with me in your heart, to, to say those things to God and surrender your life to him and receive what he has to offer. Will you do that with me now? Let's pray. God, we turn to you because you are our only hope. God, we start by saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that are wrong. I know they are wrong and, 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 and I've gone, uh, walked away from you and I shouldn't. God, please forgive me for these things. I'm so sorry for them. 
But God, thank you. Thank you that you showed up and you took on my sin. Jesus, you went to the cross for me. You took my guilt, my shame, all the things, the consequences of the things I've done, and you took them away. God, thank you for doing that. Jesus, thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you that you are alive and we have hope. Thank you that you offer eternal life even to me. And God, please, please forgive me. Please transform me. Please come into my life and let me walk with you. God, please welcome me into your family. Please give me a hope of eternity with you. God, please save me. God, I I thank you for every person here who has just prayed that prayer, who has surrendered their lives to you. God, thank you that from here on out, they are walking in a relationship with you, that you have come into your life, that you have answered that prayer. God, I pray that you would bless them, that this would not just be one step, it would be the beginning of a lifelong walk with you. God, I pray that you would draw them into a church community that would nourish them and grow them in their faith, that you would surround them with people that can point them again and again to you. God, I pray that you would teach them how to pray and how to get into your word, how to live a life walking with you. And God, I pray that you would fill them with hope, knowing that they belong to you and that you love them and your love will never fail. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.